Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to introduce to you today a special lady who is making a lot of people's lives safer and better. And she's an incredible person that I understand is doing incredible work. Um, she is the co-founder of the Pelican's Nest Safety House, um, located in Creighton, Saskatchewan. Um, I'd like to welcome Iguana to the show. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. I'm so excited that you came to join us. I'm so excited for this opportunity. It's great to get the word out there. Oh, yes. I'm, I appreciate that. It's, it's, um, I know the audience, there, there's got to be somebody listening at home or whether they're listening from their car um, that really can, that your message today will really benefit them and I think will hit home. And I think that what you're doing is so fantastic and so needed in this crazy world. So, um, yeah, let's just jump right in. Juana, can you tell us a little bit about what the Pelican's Nest Safety House is and how it got started? For sure. So the Pelican's Nest Safe House started um, when I moved from Ontario to northern Saskatchewan. Um, I worked on a reserve, which was for um, Indigenous. It was a, an Indigenous community. And I started working with a lot of victims of violence. and what really came through was a lot of sexual violence. So I met my, um, I, I guess my partner in this project, um, Caroline, she's the victim service worker up there. And one night we just got together for a dinner and we started talking about all these gaps that we kept seeing, like all these women that had nowhere to go. And we just looked at each other and went, well, we need to do something about this. Like we can go on just pretending like this is okay. <laughs> And that's how it started. And that was in 2016, um, just sitting around her kitchen table. 2016. Wow. It's been a while. It has. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's been a work in progress. So what's your role at the company besides co-founder? What, what is it that you do? Um, and what is it that Caroline does? So we're both the directors um, and it's just the two of us. And then we have a, a board of directors technically underneath us. We have them pinned out, but we're not at the point where they can really do anything right now. We're still in the fundraising part and getting the money to be able to open doors um, for this house that we're looking at. Um, so really, we do all the fundraising. We do all the emailing. <laughs> we put together the business plan. We look at the real estate and where we want to have it. And we kind of do everything. We plan everything and we go back and forth. So it's not a specific job that I do. It's kind of a jack of all trades. And then Caroline does the exact same thing. And then we just bounce back and forth. Wow. Do you, do you have any volunteers working with you guys? 
Um, we only have some volunteers for some of the fundraising. Okay. Yeah. Cause it sounds like yeah. you, it's a lot of work just for the two of you. <laughs> it is a lot of work, but it's amazing how many people just kind of come out going, Oh, well, I know how to do this. I can help you with that. And then just that little small thing that I know nothing about. Right. It's honestly like a breath of fresh air. You're like, Oh, thank God somebody else did that. Cause I had not like, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Wow. It's a lot of learning. I've never dealt with like charities and registering and the amount of information that I've learned is just mind blowing. When you remember why you're doing it, you know, and all the people that you guys are helping, it just carries you through, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And especially at times like today with the world going crazy, it's, it just reminds you of why this is such a huge need and why we're doing this and we have to keep doing it. So how would somebody like access your resources? Like, can you tell me like an example of um, yeah. who it is that you take in or what, what they were becoming for you to get help with? For sure. So the safe house is targeted towards um, youth females ages 16 to 24 um, that are victims of sexual violence. So that could be sexual assault or abuse, you know, like rape. Like it could be something as minor as touching and something as serious as rape or worse. So um, the reason we wanted this target is because we've noticed that a lot of these women, um, they would report the crime and then they would have nowhere to go because a lot of them would be underaged. Um, the parents wouldn't want to sign them out of their house. They need to have like a form signed saying that, you know, they can, they can go with child and family services. Um, sometimes child and family services don't take them after age of 16 because they're older. Um, and at that age, the children can literally say, nope, I don't want to go with you. So that's another glitch in the system that they kind of fall through the cracks. Um, so then we saw a bunch of these women just go back to the exact same environment. And we were like, well, that's not, that's not okay. <laughs> they can go back to the same abusive environment and expect them to heal. So that's why we targeted this group. Um, in Creighton, Saskatchewan, we are open to anyone. However, our main target, I guess, would be Indigenous females because they are what, like the majority of the population up north. Okay. So, so do you find that most people that, that so they approach you, correct? Or how do you? Yeah. So we, were we want to do this through a referral system. So mm. for example, if, you know, if something happens and they go to the clinic, the clinic can refer them to us and then we start up with them. So then the, we would meet up with the clinic and kind of take them from there and take them out of that abusive environment and bring them to our safe house mm -hmm. and start the process. So that could be done through a referral and it could be through like health services, mm -hmm. um, education. So it could be from schools, like guidance counselors. It could be from the local detachments. So like RCMP detachments through victim services. Um, it could be even something like a business. Right. Like if somebody runs into Canada Post saying that, you know, they've been abused, they can give us a call and we can take that referral from there. Okay. So for example, somebody will come to you and so you offer them um, some housing and counseling? Right. So the safe house itself is designed to offer that emergency shelter. Um, and that emergency shelter could be up to a year because realistically nobody's going to change in a couple of weeks and then get like, we can't just boot them out. Oh, I love that. It's a year like that can really, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's actually, um, so it's a year for the shelter itself. Um, but then we have, we call it a social enterprise where we want to build tiny homes 
and get these women to participate in the building of the tiny homes. So they would have to put in hours to build it. And then that becomes theirs and that becomes their safety net. And then when they move, they could take that with them if they wanted to. And that helps them with like money budgeting and how to pay your rent and, or your mortgage. And you know, you have that safety that's yours. That's where you feel safe and you open the door to whoever you want because we face a lot of overcrowding up north as well. So sometimes you get a two bedroom house with like 11 or 12 people living in it. So there's no privacy there. Wow. I love that. I love that you guys have that program. That sounds so great. It sounds like just like life skills, but also they're proud of, because they own it, right? Like they're proud and it it boosts their self-confidence. It does so much for somebody. It does. So within the first year that they're there, we offer um, a lot of different programming, like basically everything, like all basic skills, like how to change a light bulb to how to fix a leaky toilet um, to this is how we should finance. So if you get $300, you know, this is how much you should save, this is how much you have to allocate for bills. And then this is how much you keep to spend on yourself or whatever. Because right now a lot of them have no notion. Like if they get $300, then they spend the $300 and then they go two weeks with nothing. So they need to learn a lot of their financing and budgeting, but also cooking and nutrition, you know, not all this fast food stuff. Like let's learn how to go grocery shopping and shop for everyone. And we're going to sit down, we're going to make meals together. We're going to cook breakfast and lunch and dinner and have healthy nutritional meals. And on top of that, we want to offer alternative therapies. So Mm -hmm. our alternative therapies would be yoga and art and sound um, and also equine therapy but that would be like an outside. The rest of these would all be in-house. The equine would be an outhouse. I love that. It's like you guys are attacking like every part of the person, you know? Like, yeah. I really, really think that's beautiful. Like most of these people that come to you, just because I'm learning mm-hmm. about you, right? So yeah. um, most of the people that come to you, are they not believed by their family or by their friends or whomever they've opened up to? Right. So a lot of them, because they're youth, um, a lot of what we've heard is a lot of the family would come back to them saying that you've made this up and this isn't true. Like, why would you do this? You ruined our family. Um, So a lot of the times the court would remove the abuser out of that household, but the rest of the family would still be there and the rest of the family wouldn't believe them, which would not create a safe house for them. Right. So most of the abusers that you guys um, uh, find out about there within the same home. Uh, Most of them. Yes. Most of them are family members. Okay. So they probably like these girls pro- really get a sense of community being with you. Like, it yeah, and that's, like, we want to build that support system. It sounds like you're doing a great job. Like how many people can stay at one time? So the one house that we're looking at right now would have four units and we would be able to sleep 11 victims at a time. Wow. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. And okay. once we get this, the tiny house building going, it'd be a lot easier because then we can have people move out, like transition into that. And then we have new ones coming in. Wow. That's phenomenal. So do you, if these um, young ladies or women have children, are they allowed to take, bring the children with, with them? Yes. That is something that we're looking at is um, we, we do have a suite that would be basically with two bedrooms, but that's something that we want to save for families mm-hmm. because I love, a lot of the women do have kids at this point. They do. Okay. Yeah. So how can so we unless, help? Like, yeah. how, what can we do? Like listening to the show and if we live out near Saskatchewan, like how do you guys get the funding for, for all of these projects? Cause I mean, everything costs money, right? Everything does for sure. 
So a lot of the programming that we do, um, we've received a lot of funding through the Family Violence Initiative, um, through the RCMP. This allowed us to kind of go up to all the communities and put on the programming that we want to offer in the safe house and see kind of what kind of feedback we get from each community. And they're all amazing. Like everyone wants it so much and they want more. But of course, like more comes with more money. And Mm -hmm. so we've gone up for the past four years. Um, We've hit a total of 12 northern communities, some to where they're so isolated we had to fly to. And we put on all these programming and it was just so welcomed and so appreciated everywhere. It's definitely needed. Um, which just gave us more fuel for why we need to do this. And we want to expand. So we're starting small in Creighton with a tiny house for 11 victims. And then we hope to kind of grow, if not Canada, like if not just Saskatchewan wide, like Canada wide, because there is nothing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a victim that came to us and she was only 17 years old and she had nowhere to go. And it was heartbreaking for us to just kind of watch her go back to the family that, you know, didn't believe her and didn't want her. I can't so, imagine. Yeah. Um, there is, I do know Ontario has a place, but they, um, you have to have an Ontario health card to go there. So if you don't live in the province, it's mm. you're kind of out of luck. But um, if anybody does want to help, we do have a GoFundMe page running right now. Okay. People could go on. Um, it's just under Pelican's Nest Safe House, and they could donate money there. Um, a lot of the money will be used for fundraising to gain more money and to get more traction. Um, there's a lot of um, grants being filled out right now, and that's another aspect of what I do. <laughs> it's a lot of filling out forms and dealing with the government and stuff. But we're hoping we get some traction from provincial or federal, and then that will help us open our doors. Oh yeah. Um, sure. I also did mention the town of Creighton are a hundred percent on board and totally supporting us. So that was a huge, a huge like hill we had to cross, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you say you guys are starting small with just with 11 people, but you know what? That's 11 lives. I don't think that's small at all. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at each person right. in their face, you know, and you hear each story yeah. that even one person is more than what I'm doing or somebody else might be doing. So I'm really proud of you guys. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. So most of the people, I know you have a program that stays up to, like they can stay up to a year. Do you find that most uh, girls come and do only stay for a few months or mm-hmm. do most of them stay for a year? Well, we haven't opened yet. So the people that we have been dealing with, they want to stay for a long period of time because they're kind of at the point, the ones that do reach out um, are kind of at the point where they're done with the life that they're leaving or leading. So they want to make a change because when you come to us, it's not just, Oh, I need a safe space. And then in a week I'm ready to go back. It's you're willing to make that life change. So if you come to us, you have to make that commitment on yourself and to yourself that you're going to stay here and you're going to work on yourself and work through your trauma to be able to heal and then be totally self-reliant and independent. That's amazing. I love hearing stories of, of young women like you making so, so many changes in the world, you know? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. What, when you started the Pelican Nest safe house, safe house, sorry. Um, what was your biggest fear? Like what was your, or biggest challenge in starting out? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of people with, with these, you know, big ideas and they think, well, it's mm-hmm. just me. I can't start something, you know? That's right. It's something I still struggle with today. So sometimes I have to stop and like tell myself, but it's one of the biggest thing was like, 
well, why would I do this? Like who would, who would be like, oh yeah, she's good enough to do that. It was almost like I didn't believe in myself. Like I'd be good enough Mm -hmm. to do something like this. That was, I think my biggest challenge that kind of stood in my way. It was, it was a fear of doing it of what other people thought (laughs) and a fear of people thinking that I'm not good enough to do this. But then I saw this one sign and it basically just said something like, you know, why doesn't somebody do something about this? And then I realized that I'm somebody. So it was like, well, I, we see all these gaps, but then we see nobody fixing them. So who's there to say that I'm not good enough to do this? Amazing. Right. And look how much you've done. Like you guys are still sticking with it. You're, you're plans on growing yeah. you know what I mean and you were saying like down the road you want to be like have more locations and start this tiny house project and I see great things in your future thank you yeah I have ideas all the time just popping in my head <laughs> oh great yeah so would you so you would say your biggest roadblock was your own self like your mindset my and mindset. your your self-confidence yeah wow which is funny because that's a lot of the stuff that the woman that we deal with face too. But it's funny, you know, I'm learning about entrepreneurship and stuff right now. And, you know, who's your audience and who's your avatar and all these things. And usually it is you like yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, but so it's, yeah, it's incredible how we're just, I don't know, sometimes we're so afraid of of succeeding and showing the best part of ourselves for fear of what other people are going to think. Exactly. Yeah. But when you take this, I don't know what, what got you over that? Like besides that sign that you read, was there anything else that helped you overcome or, you know, continue? A lot of it, I guess, was like having Caroline there with me so we could talk it out a lot. That definitely helped. Just having people around you that did believe in what you were doing. Sometimes it reminded me, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's time, there's days where I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, are we just wasting our time? Like there's so much to do. And you know, like we need the money for this and for that. And you know, who are we? Why would they give us the money? Right. But then like we talk about it and having that support system to be like, look at the amazing stuff you're doing. It's like, oh yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> it's like, I need someone to sit there and sometimes like just nudge me and be like, it's okay. You can keep going. It's a good thing. That's amazing. So having that support there is definitely, is definitely a must. Wow. That's great. So you've seen, I'm sure a lot of incredible um, transformations in some of these young girls. We have, and it's funny because some of them have done great transformation without, without being at our safe house, but just by uh, participating in our programming and like talking to us more of a, of a weekly basis type of thing, like just checking in and when they're down, they have those resources to call and to talk to you okay, so that so, they can bounce back. So they don't have to physically stay with you. They can also just go through the program. Right. Well, if we put on the programming, so until now, because our safe house is not open, mm-hmm. we, um, we have just been doing the programming because we still want to offer something to them and we want them to know that, Hey, we're coming. It's just, we're just in the fundraising, like funding part of it. So once we get the funding, we can open the doors and you can come stay with us. But until then, here's all the programming that you can participate in. And with us being funded, it's totally free for them because a lot of them won't have the money anyways. So it's, it's a good way to build that clientele there and to get your name known in the communities oh, because sure. it, it happens a lot. So, yeah. It's, I it's, wonder like, what can we do? I guess my question is, Oh, I guess this is a whole different show, but how can we, or what steps can we take to not have so many people who need your service? You know, like, I think it's great that you guys exist, but how can we even... That's what I always say, right? Like, I want to work myself out of this job. Oh, yeah. I want to work myself to where there is no victims. But 
I think that's like a whole societal change. And mm-hmm. I think that's above my, yes. my head. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it definitely takes a lot. It takes a lot in different communities of what could help bring the rate down. So if up north, it'd be a lot of alcohol and substance abuse that, you know, if, if some of that got more under control, perhaps mm-hmm. it would bring it down, but that's not guaranteed. It just, it plays a huge yeah, factor it, in it for sure. Right. But I, I love that you're teaching them self-confidence and self-worth because that's how they're going to change the next generation. Like if these women have children, yeah. right? Yeah. That they're going to be able to teach in a way that you taught them. Cause sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Like if people don't, don't invest in somebody and, and you weren't taught certain things and you don't know. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys are teaching them a lot of great life skills that you're teaching them everything that they're going to need to be able to push forward. So yeah. Is there anything that you can, if there are any listeners right now out there that are stuck, they're stuck in a situation. Um, they're mm-hmm. perhaps afraid, um, afraid to leave their situation, afraid of not being believed, afraid that they have to deal with it alone. What, from your experience and helping the people that you help, is there anything that you can tell them that maybe might make them make it a little bit easier for them to leave? Well, the biggest thing is finding, finding that person that will believe you. I mean, everyone has that someone, whether it's your mom or your sister or a friend or an aunt or someone like there's someone that we always trust within our, like within our close circle. So don't be afraid to tell that person what's going on because you'd be amazed at what maybe that person went through and didn't tell you. So I've noticed that a lot of the times people are very afraid of telling other people because they're afraid of that judgment, but you don't realize what those other people have done. So an example would be, I created a beauty day for um, seven women in one of the communities I worked with. And I took them to the nearest big city for a whole night. And we went out for dinner. We got their hair done, their nails done. I just literally treated them like, you know, you're, you're so important. You need to take care of yourself. And here's some like things that you can do for yourself. And I, I pulled these women together because of the criminal stats that I had. And they were um, high risk victims of domestic violence. They didn't know that they knew who they were in the community, but none of them knew that they all had the same, like that they, they all experienced abuse in different ways. And once mm-hmm. we got them all together, it was amazing how, as soon as one person opened up, the rest of them opened up and they just created this amazing support system. And they didn't even know it, right? Like they didn't, they just knew like, oh yeah, that's Sally. She lives over there. They didn't know anything else that was going on. So I think the biggest thing is just telling someone because that someone either experienced something or they know someone who did. And then you build that support network and those people will still stand behind you a hundred percent. I think it's so important to report. Like if something happened, go to the police and report it. And I know the police is not like, you know, on a standing ovation right now, but they care about people and they want to help. And you will always find at least one person there that wants to help you. So I think reporting is huge. Um, I know a lot of the people in the community for us, like they didn't want to report or sometimes they would just want to talk to a woman in the community. So sometimes it'd be me because I worked at the detachment and that was the biggest thing. It was like, I will be there with you holding your hand in court if that's what it takes to get you justice and to get you safe again. So thank you. I think that's, um, thank you so much for helping everybody (laughs) because, you know, sometimes you just need to hear that there are a lot of people in the same situation and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. 
and you know you can rebuild your life and you can make changes for the better right yeah i think that if anyone needs to be ashamed it should be the abuser right it's definitely the abuser not the victim you didn't ask for this so don't ever feel ashamed for somebody else's mistakes like that has not it's not a reflection of you that's so important for for victims to know yes wow it's incredible <laughs> um what do you like most about the work that you do um, I know probably all of it. <laughs> I like, well, all of it. Well, not so much the paperwork part, but, <laughs> but I love learning about the women and learning about their stories and where they come from and what they've done and just kind of seeing how I can help. I think that's like the best part is just learning about them, who they are, where they've come from. It's so interesting. And they all have such amazing stories and yeah, the funny thing is like, it's not even funny, but it's really cool that they're usually like the strong, they seem like the strongest people until they remove that layer and they become vulnerable. And then you get to see like the real, like who they really are. And they really are strong individuals. They just need a little help with self-esteem. I'm sure they make lifelong friends at your location, you know, like they really stick together after. A lot of them do. A lot of them have become, because they build their own support network. So they kind of keep each other intact and yeah, they just, they're accountable to each other, I guess. Right. So is it sort of like, um, is it an anonymous, like when the house is going to be open, is it sort of an anonymous location so that the abusers can't find them? Or right. how does that work? Yeah, so it would be, the location itself is anonymous that will never be posted anywhere. Okay. Um, it is in Creighton, and that's not going to be hard to know because it's a very small area up north. So. Okay. Uh, but the best part is that it's very close to one of the detachments. So it's, uh, you know, in case anything ever does happen, they'll be there within like 20 seconds. Okay. So that was one of the things we looked at when we were looking at the house that we want to purchase mm -hmm. um, just for safety reasons. But the ad actual location will never be given out. Do you guys take donations of like, do you need donations of furniture, clothing or anything like that? Or maybe yeah. not yet? Um, well, maybe not furniture quite yet. Mm -hmm. um, right now, like I said, we're just kind of looking for funding to be able to purchase the building. Right. The lady that owns the building is kind of holding it out for us because she knows what we're doing and she really wants to help. So that's kind of what we're looking at now is just funding, finding the money to be able right. to purchase the building. And then once we purchase the building, yeah, then we will take donations for everything like bedding and towels and furniture, everything like that. Is there anything that maybe I haven't brought up today that you feel is important to talk about or that you want people to know that maybe we haven't discussed? If people want to follow us, um, right now we have a Facebook page. It's called Pelican's Nest Safe House. And we're also on Instagram under Pelican's Nest Safe House. So follow us on there. Um, we keep posting stuff. We will be hosting um, a virtual run in the near future, probably before September. So like at the end of summer kind of thing. Um, so if people want to participate in that, just keep an eye out and that will all be posted on our social media on how to register and sign up. Well, that's a great way to raise some funds too. Yeah. Everyone loves to run, right? And get our, uh, our uh -huh. flab off from Corona, right. <laughs> like from being quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's a whole nutritional thing, right? Health and wellness. Yes. Yes. For you guys like a typical day at your facility, um, that you can see for when the house is built? Like, would everybody get up at the same time, kind of make breakfast together? Like, it would be yep. sort of like a schedule set out? And 
it'd be sort of a schedule, yeah. um, not like super strict, but mm-hmm. you know, everyone kind of gets up by a certain time, gets ready. We have breakfast so that we'll probably have teams of who does breakfast, who does lunch, who does dinner, and then they rotate so that they all participate in it. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, we sit together as a family and we all have our meals together. Um, there's going to be a, like a den mother that works there 20, like all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have workers as well on top of that. Um, and then the women are going to going to break off into programming. So whatever, it's going to be a case by case type of programming mm-hmm. because art may work for you, but yoga may not work for you. Right. So we're not going to push someone to do something that they don't like, but we would want them to experience it. So at least try it once. And then if it's not for you, then we understand, but, um, yeah, then kind of break off into programming, do different things. And the whole day would be extremely busy, mm-hmm. full of programs and things we do and just teaching basic life skills, right? Just like this way you would do at home. So you need to learn this here so that you learn how to do it on your own. Right. Um, can they hold jobs and go and come as they... Yes. So this, okay. So part of it is um, eventually to help them gain employment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we work at probably not within the first like two to three months, but after that, they'd be able to get employment. Um, and we would help them with that. We would, you know, help them with the interview skills and resume building and, and going to the job and seeking, helping them seek out jobs that are in the community. And same with education. Like we encourage people to go back to school if that's what they want to do. Um, there's a couple of colleges up North. So we're, we're working very closely with them and they're also very open to helping us out with getting our, our, our clients, (laughs) to become victim or to become students at their schools if they want to further their education. And I understand um, a friend of mine, Julie Vaca, who just did a, um, an interview with us. I think her episode was episode um, 11 and she was talking about heart therapy. And I understand um, sometimes you will invite people from the outside to come in and do programs. And she was someone that you had invited. Yeah, that's right. Um, This past in the, sorry, 2019, the summer of 2019, I did a Northern tour where I wanted to go to different communities just to see if, you know, all of Northern Saskatchewan is experiencing the same type of violence in their communities and everything. It's kind of the same. So we went to, she flew up with us to eight different communities and she put on an art show and we had a yoga therapy session. We had a sound and music um, for a lot of them was the kids and the youth that participated, but it was open to, to the public. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing to see how many of them are just so drawn and they're so artistic and so creative. So a lot of them were drawn to the music aspect of it. Well, a lot of them were drawn to the art and other ones were drawn to the yoga. And then we had an equine therapist come out with us and they did a couple of things, you know, without the horse, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that equine therapy can really teach you as well about trust and, and, uh, communication. Well, that's something I don't know too much about, but I can just imagine how much trust it would be built. Like for me, um, it's music therapy. That is my, uh, Mm -hmm. my thing, but there's so many misconceptions. I think that you have to be good at art and good at music for it to be able to really be therapeutic. And that's not right. You know, Um, it's just your own interpretation and what you take away from it. Sometimes um, just, you know, just, I don't know, people like you have five people in a room and everybody looks at one thing and everybody has their own interpretation. And you may be looking at that and realize something just through that piece of art or just listening to that piece of music that answers that unanswered question you've had forever, you know, and it just kind of hits you. And I, I just think it's so amazing how you can connect with things like that. 
Oh, definitely. And it could go for anyone. Mm. Literally anyone. I know the other day, I, it was a rainy day and I, the kids were doodling. So I just started drawing something and then I took a picture of it and I actually sent it to Julie. And I was like, hey, can you look at this? Like, <laughs> what does it say? And then she kind of like gave me back all these things where I was like, whoa, like, how did you get that out of here? Yeah. That makes so much sense. Like, why did I draw that? And to me, I was like, oh, this is not a great drawing. Like, why did, why did I do this? But did it make <laughs> but again, sense? it's me standing. Oh, it made total sense. Mm. Just everything that she was like, you know, maybe you did this because does this have a significance to your life? And I was like, well, yeah, of course it does. Mm. But I didn't see it in doing it. It was just her like as a third person having to be like, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. It was so neat. It was, it was such a cool experience to see. But again, it was me standing in my way going, well, my, my art was not good enough. I think <laughs> a lot of us stand in our own way. For sure. Yeah. So it's just... Hmm. That's a work in progress for everyone. <laughs> oh, yes. I think it needs to be. So I think it's great because you're, you're, you're learning that and you're showing what you're learning, right? So you're teaching these women to do, to do that. And if yeah. you don't have a coach or a mentor, you can't really see things on your own. You can't, like, I, I can't, I've never been in the situation um, that these women have been in. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to know how they feel because I don't. Um, but just from standing where I'm standing and just listening, listening to you speak today, thinking, you know, for somebody to be in fear for their life or for somebody to be, uh, controlled in that way and to Mm -hmm. finally find a place where you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be scared and you don't have to watch your back and you don't have to, you know, and you can just relax and you can let it out and then begin to grow and to to rebuild. That to me is beautiful. I love when I hear people doing work like that. It's so, (laughs) it's true. It's so unselfish and it really warms my heart, you know, because I think, you know, we all have to work and work doesn't always need to be just work, like do something meaningful, you know, like it's just, it's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. I know my Caroline, she always says, she's like, I just want them to walk through that door and go. (sighs) Mm. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Just let, let all that, just a relief like flow over them and then, you know, get them cleaned up and the new, like new clothes and a new fresh bed and they can lay their head down knowing that they're safe, at least for tonight. Yeah, that's one thing I say a lot. I'm uh, putting together this, uh, it's a book that I've been writing after my dad died. And it's it's going to be calling, it's going to be called Starting to Exhale. And so mm-hmm. I understand, like, because of the anxiety part, um, mm-hmm. not with the violence that you're talking about today. But you don't realize that you're holding your breath in. And you don't realize that you're afraid. Until one day you're just, I don't know, it's just you hit this wall and then you finally gasp for air and it's like, oh my God, I'm exhaling finally. Yeah. You know, and what a feeling that must be for these women. Exactly. And I think the hardest part for them is that they grow up like this. Mm. So they're, I hate using this, this term, but they're normal. Mm. is just that their normal is holding their breath and watching what they say and being controlled and you know not having any of those I guess freedoms Mm -hmm. and until they are until they kind of go well why am I doing this and then someone allows them to breathe or some environment allows them to finally breathe and then they go oh my gosh there's another way Mm. and you're doing that you should be so proud (laughs) you you're doing it (laughs) 
you know? Thank you. Yeah. Like two girls from up in Saskatchewan. You guys are rocking it. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to definitely follow your Facebook group and we'll be in touch for sure. I awesome. want, thank you. Yeah. If, if we can start a fundraiser down here, we will, you know, even That'd if we great. can, yeah. Once you guys get your, your building up and stuff too, we can always, okay. you know, like, you know, some offices, they do like a Christmas drive or whatever. Mm -hmm. We could, you know, maybe send some money and do some baskets for the women or something. You oh, know? that would be amazing. Yeah. They would love that. Yeah. Just something for them. Cause they probably don't feel as if they're really special sometimes. So this just, Hey, somebody cares about me, you know, it's the small things. Exactly. It's definitely the small things that matter. Yeah. We'll definitely look into doing something like that. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Keep us posted on your Facebook group. <laughs> oh, I will. I definitely will. And like I said, if anyone's listening and they want to help out, just go to our GoFundMe page and that's where you can donate right now. Um, and then follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we have, you know, we have lots of stuff on there and we have lots of pictures from our previous events. So if you want to see some of the, the people that we've been working with, like you can, like just the youth, they're just participating in programs. So some of these are not per se victims of sexual violence. Right. Because the chances are that they're victims of mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, the, some of the programming was amazing. So it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Iwana. Thank you for, you know, letting your message be heard and wanting to help these women and for being so good at it. It sounds like you're amazing at it and your heart's in it. And I love it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. It was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. And so everybody listening at home, um, yeah, you're not alone. And there are so many organizations like, like this one. And so even if you don't live in Saskatchewan, you know, you can take something from this interview and listen to it again if you have to. And there's hope in the message. So yeah, we will definitely put the links into the show notes if anybody wants to learn more about... Um, about the Pelican Nest Safe House. And uh, yeah, I look forward to finding out some more and seeing where things go. So am I. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.